Welcome to Always Abounding. This podcast will encourage you as a believer to continue on and always abound in the work of the Lord. Now your host, Keith Stensis. Once again, to our podcast, Always Abounding, this is your host, Brother Keith Stensis, here in the country of Uganda, East Africa, serving the Lord, training pastors, training Christian workers, reaching souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ, doing everything we can in the time remaining uh, to make an influence and an impact on the people of Uganda. Thank you so much for your prayers. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And uh, what a blessing it is to have that promise. And uh, the purpose of this podcast is to remind you of that uh, promise each and every week that your labor is not in vain in the Lord if we are always abounding. And I hope and pray that you are always abounding in whatever ministry you're involved in, whatever church you're involved in, in your family, whatever it is that you're abounding in the work of the Lord. And uh, there are constantly, always opportunities, different opportunities we have to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I am so thankful for those. Man, I tell you what, these last couple of weeks, this last month has uh, just been a very, very busy month. A lot of things going on, a lot of things happening. And uh, we just got back uh, just this last week uh, from Kalido, working with the New Hope Independent Baptist Church up there, Pastor Cassandra Frederick, as well as teaching in the Barnabas Baptist Bible Training Center. It was just a great week. Uh, we had 38 men, 38 men. Uh, these are men that are potential pastors, church leaders uh, that came in for training. And uh, we just had a great time with them, continuing through our chronological study of the Old Testament. And uh, so we talked about uh, mostly about two different characters in the entire week. We went through the life of Joseph and uh, somewhat through the life of Moses. We didn't get all the way through it, but but just had a great time uh, fellowship and uh, answering questions, as well as uh, setting up some organizational structures. As you know, uh, we're trying to help these churches up here, they're they're literally, a lot of these churches were just started underneath a mango tree and uh, they, they don't have any structure, they don't have any order as far as the order of service, as far as the order of the church. And so not only do we teach them, not only we're trying to train them in the word of God, uh, but also just trying to give them some type of semblance of order in their churches, uh, helping them to uh, get married properly. We've got uh, we've got actually four uh, weddings coming up in July and August. Uh, some of the men up there are finally getting things organized as far as the wedding are concerned. Uh, getting them uh, getting them to see the importance of initiative and uh, not waiting for everybody else to do the job for them, but uh, getting their people together and encouraging their people to put some skin in the game and a sacrifice as well, not wait for uh, the missionary or somebody else to do all the work for them. And uh, so that's coming along very well. Again, it's it's very new to them. Uh, a lot of times they're, they're just very 
used to presenting a need and, and, and they just want everybody else to take care of that need for them. And uh, so they're, they're looking at saying, hey, we need to get involved with this. And so several of the churches up there have already started making bricks. They've already started collecting sand and uh, different things of this nature for their ministries. And so we're encouraging them uh, in the area of their marriages. We're encouraging them in the area of initiative. And, uh, and then we're encouraging them in the area of constantly remembering the purpose. Why do we have a church? And, uh, and sadly, a lot of churches here in Uganda are just simply a community group that comes together and uh, sings a few songs each week, and they get a challenge from the Word of God, maybe, and, uh, and that's it. And uh, not recognizing, understanding the purpose of the church is to be equipped for the work of the ministry, and that ministry is the ministry of reconciliation and going out in the communities, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, discipling the new converts, training them up to be uh, soul winners, and uh, so that our churches are having an impact on our communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, there's a lot of organizations that have the word church in their name, uh, but in reality, they are not a church at all. They are not accomplishing uh, the purpose for which God had them uh, organized. And so we're trying to help them with all of that. Uh, so there's so much more than just teaching. Uh, there's a lot more hands-on work that we're trying to do with them and uh, trying to help them get married properly, help them with their initiative, help them remind them of their purpose. And uh, so it, it it has been just a great, great opportunity uh, to help these guys. Now, I, I mentioned already before that uh, because of the very uh, large uh, or intense rainy season uh, that we've had this last time, we had our main bridge wash out uh, between our city here, our town here, and the capital city. And uh, so we had to drive all the way around the long way around added on about two hours of driving to our normal trip and uh, when you have to do that in a car that's one thing but uh, I use our ministry truck you know because we take up supplies and firewood and food and all that kind of stuff uh, to go up there as well and so I'll be honest with you um, my knees were very very sore by the time I got there and uh, by the time we came back uh, we're talking about uh, about a 10 hour drive now normally it's about a seven hour drive but with the extra uh, trip around and all the different things that have to be done uh, between nine and 10 hour journey. And uh, so when you're pushing in the clutch on that truck and uh, by the time you get there, I mean, you're, you're exhausted, literally exhausted. And so, but, uh, but we got up there, we had a great time. And uh, on the Sunday we saw 33 people get baptized. That was such a blessing. 33 people baptized. And uh, that's the first time there's two things. There's two first in this baptism. It was the first time that uh, my arm was literally sore that evening from baptizing. And the reason why is because, you know, for those of you that have ever baptized, you know, the more water you have, the easier it is because the body floats. And so when you have a lot of water, um, you put them back and the water helps bring them back up. It's not so bad. But uh, this time where we went in the swamp, uh, the water was not so deep. And, uh, and so I really had to put them back and 
and and and get them under the water and then bring them up. And so that evening, my arm was sore. I've never had a sore arm uh, from baptizing. But then, uh, as we're kind of getting halfway through the baptizing, it was kind of interesting. They would come out one by one into the swamp, and we would I would baptize them one by one. But then uh, they started forming a line in the actually in the water, and so they're standing right in front of me while I'm baptizing. And so it was like I would baptize one, bring up the other, baptize another. Bring is the first time that I ever got winded while I was baptizing. I was actually breathing heavily uh, because of uh, baptizing just one right after the other, right after the other. Uh, but what a blessing to see 33 people get baptized. Uh, and that was from four of our churches up there, four different churches. Uh, we ran, I wish I could show you the pictures. Uh, maybe I will... Uh, in our next prayer letter, I'll put a picture out there, but we loaded them all up in a truck and uh, they came and why they come, they're singing in the back of the truck and get down there. We baptized them. Also that morning, we had two people trust Jesus Christ as their savior. And uh, so that was a blessing as well. I tell you, serving the Lord is amazing and being in the ministry is amazing. And I just, I never get tired of it, never get tired of seeing people saved and baptized and, and uh, being involved in the ministry. And uh, it's just, what a blessing. I, I can't think of anything else in this life that I would rather do uh, than what I am doing now. And so I just thank God so much for the opportunity uh, to serve the Lord here. And uh, what a blessing that is. I do want to give a shout out uh, to Miss Michelle Boggs. And I want to thank her so much, uh, Miss Michelle from uh, Lebanon, Missouri. And uh, she heard uh, several podcasts ago, I mentioned a need that we had uh, for a new motorcycle for Pastor Sibanja. And, uh, and she did something very unusual. Uh, she's a nurse, and uh, she worked extra shifts, and she committed, and she said, I am going to take whatever I earn from those extra shifts, and I'm going to put it towards uh, that motorcycle. And uh, so she was able to, with that extra work that she did, uh, she was able to raise $1,000. And uh, so, Michelle, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for that. And uh, I went down today uh, to check on the prices of the motorcycles to see how much we, we had left uh, to get. And, uh, you know, as you know, it seems like every time you go down to the store for anything, prices go up. And it's still not as much much as uh, it's still within the range of what I said in the original place, but uh, but we're still lacking about $500 on that. And so maybe God may speak to your heart. Maybe you could help out with some of that or all of that. And uh, to be able to help Pastor Sabanja uh, to be able to get a new bike, he really, really needs a new motorcycle. He's nickel and diming the one he has. And uh, and he is he's right now taking care of five different churches, five different churches. And, uh, and so he is well. Uh, worthy of a new bike, and it would be an investment well worth giving uh, in this pastor's life and, and what he's doing. And so uh, if you could pray about that and uh, maybe see what God would have you do, uh, we've got about $500 left remaining on that. And uh, so once again, Michelle, thank you so much. Uh, that that really, really touched my heart that you'd be willing to do that. And, uh, you know, some people, they just, you know, hey, I'll send you $1,000 or whatever, but, uh, but when you're willing to work for 
effort and and really to you know dedicate whatever you get uh, with uh, with extra work uh, that is such a blessing and so uh, Michelle I really really appreciate that sacrifice and I know you didn't do it to be mentioned but uh, but I really do uh, want to thank you publicly for uh, for doing that and for sacrificing that amount uh, to be able to help Pastor Sabanja. And I know that once we get that bike, uh, he will be so appreciative uh, for that. Well, today I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Lamentations, the book of Lamentations. And I want to share with you something today that uh, that I learned this last week while I was teaching one of the one of my favorite things about teaching is when the Holy Spirit of God teaches you while you're teaching, and uh, and that to me is just overwhelming. That 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 is just amazing as you go through and and uh, you're learning and uh, what you're teaching, what you've learned, and as you're teaching, it's like the Holy Spirit of God just opens up something there, and uh, you teach it, and then after you teach it, you say, my goodness, where in the world did that come from? And uh, what I'm about ready to tell you today, maybe you already know, and uh, maybe you've already seen this, and, and maybe you say, well, Pastor Keith, you know what, you know, what are you, what are you talking about? I've already known about that. Well, if that's you, then praise the Lord. I'm glad you knew about it before I did. Uh, but, but I saw something today that I don't know why, maybe I have been taught that before and, and I just forgot about it, or, uh, maybe I wasn't paying much attention to it or not, but just something that just really, really got a hold of my heart as I was teaching, uh, through, uh, the old Testament survey or the old Testament chronological study with our men, up in Kalido. And so I want to start off by reading a verse here in Lamentations chapter 3. And then from there, we're going to go back uh, to the book of Exodus. And uh, we'll spend the rest of our time in the book of Exodus because that's where I was teaching the men uh, about the life of Moses and um, uh, Moses's call, his birth, uh, his uh, his leading the children of Israel out of of Egypt and uh, all that was going on in Moses' life. So we're going to go back there and just say, but I want you, I want to read a verse and and let this kind of be our springboard uh, into what I want to talk about there in Exodus. The Bible says in Lamentations chapter three and uh, verse number. 22. Very familiar verse, and uh, but one I think we need to be reminded of. The Bible says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Now, there is so much you can talk about in these verses, but I want, I want to draw your attention to two parts of it. It says, it is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. And then in verse 23, they are new every morning. You know, the mercy of God is, is amazing. The mercy of God is great. They are truly new every morning. And I, and I believe many times in our life as believers, and I, I do this myself, I believe many times in our lives we take God's mercy for granted. And we don't even think about it. And, and we don't even, it doesn't even dawn on us every day that every day we deserve uh, to, to die and go to a devil's hell, but for the mercy of God. 
Uh, every day, I mean, you, you think about how often we sin and how often we fail to do what God wants us to do and how many times each and every day we are worthy of his chastisement and yet his mercies are new every day. I, I, I just, I, I became, as I was teaching this lesson, I, was be, I began to be so overwhelmed uh, at the mercy of God. When we consider in our hearts and our minds and our failures and, and everything that goes with our heart and our mind and our failures, my, how his mercy is absolutely overwhelming. And yet, however, how, how many times we take God's mercy for granted and, and many times we consider his mercy, listen to this very carefully, we consider his mercy as many times an approval of our lifestyle. Well, God's not judging me uh, for this, and, and, and God's, not, uh, God's not chastening me for this, and so maybe I'm getting away with it. And, 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 and so many times, because of the mercy of God, God says, hey, I want to show you my mercy. I, I'm not going to bring this judgment upon you. I'm not going to send you to hell. I'm not going to send that chastisement right now. And God is so long-suffering and so merciful that I think sometimes we get so used to it that we think, oh, well, you you know, maybe God uh, doesn't, uh, you know, maybe what I'm doing is not so bad and maybe I'm, maybe I'm getting away with it. You know, if you look in the book of Romans, the children of Israel had that same idea. Uh, look in Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, the, 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 the children of Israel uh, took God's mercy for granted, and they, they took it as an excuse for God's approval of their actions. Look in Romans chapter 2 and uh, look in verse number 3. Uh, let's start reading verse number 2. He says, But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things, all right? He says, we know God is going to judge, and he is going to judge according to truth. He's going to judge according to his word. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judges them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? He says, you, you think you can do this, and you think that you're getting away with it, and you think that you're going to escape the judgment of God. He says, verse 4, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? He says, you, 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 what you're doing is you're thinking that my lifestyle is okay and, and I can just keep living the way I want to live, not understanding that this is the goodness and the forbearance and the long-suffering of God. We better get back to the truth. We better get back to what the Word of God says is right and wrong and don't take His mercy for granted. So I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4, and, and I want to show you what God showed me. And, and again, this may not be new to you. Um, it, is, it is new to me, and, and it just, and again, maybe I just forgot about it, uh, but, but I just want, I want to bring this out, and, and I hope it'll be a help and a blessing to you. Exodus chapter 4, we find Moses is in the process of talking to God at the burning, burst, burning bush. He is, he is on Mount Sinai. 
He is he's talking with God. He's giving God his excuses why he can't do this. God works through all that. And, and so Moses comes back in verse number 18 to his, uh, his father-in-law, Jethro. And the Bible says in verse number 18, And Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren which are in Egypt, and see whether they be alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said unto Moses and Midian, Go, return into Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt, and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand, but I will harden his heart that he should not let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. If thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. Now, these two verses here are amazing to me because these two verses are mentioned before any plagues happen. These, this is mentioned before Moses even gets to Egypt. God is simply saying this. He says, Israel is my son. Israel is my firstborn. I birthed them. I brought them into existence. They are the, the, the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that I promised through Abraham that I would make a great nation. And he says, Israel is my firstborn. And here's what I want you to tell Pharaoh. Pharaoh, let my firstborn go that my firstborn may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, Behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. Now, again, I, I, I've read that. I know I've read it, and maybe somebody has preached it. But you understand, God just simply said, you tell Pharaoh, if you don't let my firstborn go, I am going to take your firstborn. That, that, that was the ultimatum of the Lord. That is what God, that is what Moses was supposed to tell Pharaoh. Pharaoh, you let my people go. If you don't let my people go, then I am going to kill your firstborn. All right. That is what is mentioned. He didn't say anything in here uh, about plagues. He mentioned, hey, I'm going to do some wonders and, and signs, but he didn't mention anything about plagues. He says, let my people go. If you don't, I'm going to take your firstborn because you are not letting my firstborn go. All right. Now, God needed Pharaoh to understand who he was. God needed Pharaoh to know who God was. And, 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 and you remember the first time that Moses comes to uh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh said, who, who, who is this Lord? Who is this God that you're talking about? Well, I want you to notice several things that the Lord mentions here uh, in, in preparation for all of this. Notice over in chapter 6 and verse number 2, uh, the Bible says, well, let's look in verse number 1. And Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of the land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. Look in verse number 6. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am 
the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments, verse 7, and I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, verse number 8. And I will bring you into the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give to you for an inheritance. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Look in verse number 29. That the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Look in chapter 7, verse number 4. Chapter 7, verse number 4. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth mine armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth mine hand upon Egypt and bring them, the children of Israel, out from among them. What was God wanting? God was wanting Israel to know he was the Lord. God was wanting Pharaoh to know that he was the Lord. And so when Moses came into Pharaoh, Pharaoh Moses' message was this. Israel is my firstborn. Let my firstborn go, or I will take thy firstborn. Now, what happened here? Well, let's, let's look in chapter 7. And, uh, and, and I, I want to go through these quickly. And then when we get to the end of these, I want to bring you to the point of what I would like to talk about in this podcast. Notice in chapter 7, verse number 19. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Take thy rod, and stretch out thine hand upon the waters of Egypt, upon their streams, upon their rivers, and upon their ponds, and upon their pools of water, that they may become blood, and that there may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded, and he lifted up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river, in the sight of Pharaoh, and in the sight of his servants, and in, and in all the waters that were in the river turned to blood, and the fish that was in the river died, and the river stank and the Egyptians could not drink of the water of the river and there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. What happened? God comes to Pharaoh. Moses comes to God, comes to Pharaoh on behalf of God. Let my people go. Pharaoh said no. And so God says, all right, I want you to turn the waters into blood. Look over in chapter 8. Chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thy hand with thy rod over the streams and over the rivers and over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up unto the land of Egypt. And Israel stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. So now we have a second plague, frogs. Frogs everywhere in all the houses, in all the kitchens, frogs everywhere. Why? Because Pharaoh refused to let the children of Israel go. Look in verse number 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stay, say unto Aaron, stretch out thy rod, and smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so, for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice in man and in beast. Uh, all the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Why did God send the lice? Because he refused to let the children of Israel go. Look in verse number 20. Verse number 20, And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning. 
and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the water and saying to him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. Else if thou wilt not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee and upon thy servants and upon thy people and into thy houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground wherein they are. And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there to the end, that thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Verse 24, And the Lord did so, and there came a grievous swarm of flies into the house of Pharaoh and his servants' house and all the land of Egypt, and the land was corrupted by reason of the swarm of flies. Why did the flies come? Because God, because Pharaoh would not let the children of Israel go. Look in chapter 9. Chapter 9, look in verse number 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh and tell him, Thus saith the Lord God of Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if thou refuse to let them go, and will hold them still, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle, which is in the field, and upon the horses, upon the asses, and upon the camels, upon the oxen, and upon the sheep. There shall be a very grievous moraine, and the Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall nothing die of all that is the children of Israel's. And the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land, and the Lord did that on the morrow, and all the cattle of Egypt died. But of the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. Why did God kill all the cattle? Because Pharaoh refused to let the children of Israel go. Look in verse number 8. And the Lord sent unto Moses, saying to Aaron, Take to your handful of ashes from the furnace, and let Moses sprinkle it toward heaven in the sight of Pharaoh, and it shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt, and there shall be a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beasts throughout all the land of Egypt. And they took ashes of the furnace and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses sprinkled it up toward heaven, and it became a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boil was upon magicians and upon all the Egyptians. Why did God send the boils? Because Pharaoh would not let the children of Israel go. Look at verse number 22. Verse number 22, And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth thine hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, and upon man, and upon beast, and upon every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and fire ran along the ground. And the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt, so there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there was not like it in all the land of Egypt, since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast, and the hail smote every herb of the field and break every tree of the field. Why did God send the hail mixed with fire? Because Pharaoh refused to let the children of Israel go. Look in chapter 10. Chapter 10, look in verse number 12. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts that may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land, even all that the hail had left. And Moses stretched forth his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. And the locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and rested in the coast of Egypt. Very grievous were they before. There were no such locusts as they, neither uh, shall there be any such, for they covered the face of the whole earth so that the land was darkened, and they did eat every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left, and there remained not any green thing in the trees or in the herbs of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. Why did God send the locusts? 
because Pharaoh refused to let the children of Israel go. Look in chapter 10, verse number 21. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the Egypt. Three days they saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Why did God send darkness? Why? Because Moses refused to let the children of Israel go. Now you say, Brother Keith, what are you, what are you talking about here? Why, why did you go through all these nine plagues? Because when you come to chapter 12, you come to chapter 12 and look in verse number 29. The Bible says, And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne and to the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, as there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. As, as I begin looking at this, and, and I know many times we, we call this the ten plagues, but in reality, as I look at this story, I, I, I don't see 10 plagues. I see one consequence for disobeying God. And I see nine opportunities of mercy. Nine opportunities of mercy. Remember back in chapter 4, before Moses even went into Egypt, God said, you go tell Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn, and if you don't let Israel go, I will take your firstborn. Moses goes into Pharaoh, and he tells Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my children go. Let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no. Can I ask you a question? Why? Why did God at that moment not kill his firstborn? That's what God said he would do. That's what God said would happen if he did not let his uh, firstborn go. That is what happened, what God said would happen if he did not let the children of Israel go. But he turned water into blood. Why did he not let him go? I see the mercy of God. God said, I am still going to let you know that I am the Lord, but I'm giving you one more chance, Pharaoh. I'm giving you one more chance to let my people go. And if you'll let them go, your firstborn will live. And Pharaoh said, no. And so God says, you know what? I could, if I want to, I could take your firstborn right now. But instead, I'm going to send frogs. And by sending these frogs, you're going to know that I am the Lord. You're going to know that I mean business. You're going to know that, that I mean what I say, but I'm giving you one more chance to spare your firstborn. And I could go one after the other after the other, the flies, the death of the cattle, the boils, the hail, the locusts, every single one of them, God could have come down and said, all right, that's it. You won't let my children or my people go. I'm going to kill your firstborn. But time after time after time after time, nine different times, God showed him mercy. God showed him mercy. But here's my point, and this is what my podcast is all about today.
Lamentation says thy mercies are new every morning. But here's the point. His mercies are new, but they are not limitless. There will come a point when God says that's enough. There will come a point where God says, I have shown you mercy after mercy after mercy. You have taken my mercy for granted. You have scoffed at my mercy. You have laughed at my mercy. You have not allowed my mercy to get your attention. And so there's going to come a point when my mercy is finished. And God says, that's it. I look at this story today and I, I see this story in a totally different view than I've, than I've ever seen it. We, we so many times concentrate and, and talk about all the different plagues and all the different plagues. Why, why was God bringing those plagues? God was bringing those plagues that he might know that he was the Lord, but he was giving him one more chance. If, 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 he, if he would have been stubborn after the blood, if he would have been stubborn after the frogs, if he would have been stubborn after the lice, but then if he would have said, all right, I give in, I recognize you're the Lord, I recognize you're in control, all right, I'll let you go, his firstborn would have survived. His firstborn would have lived. All the firstborn of, of Egypt would still be alive. God gave him chance after chance after chance after chance. And finally, after the darkness, when, God, when, when he said no one more time, God says, all right, that's it. That's it. I told you what I was going to do. I was long-suffering with you. I was patient with you. I was merciful to you, but that's it. And God took his firstborn, and God took every firstborn in Egypt. You know, if you're listening to my voice today, and you're not saved, the only reason you're alive today is because of the mercy of God. The mercy of God. You deserve today to be burning in a devil's hell. And the only reason that you're alive, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Your sin separates you from God and, and separates you from God. You, you, the only reason you're alive today is because of the mercy of God. Thy mercies are new every morning. If you're not, if you're listening to my voice today and you're not saved, you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't take that as, well, God has just let me live my life and, and I'm okay and nothing's going to ever happen to me. No, there's going to come a day when his mercy is finished. There's going to come a day when you die. There's going to come a day when God comes back and takes uh, his church home. There's going to come a day when God's mercy is finished. Don't take his mercies for granted. Thy mercies are new every morning, but they are not limitless. They are not limitless. They will end. Ask those that, uh, that were in Noah's day. God says, all right, Noah, I want you to build an ark, and, and I want you this, this ark is going to be your salvation. And, and so you preach righteousness to the people, and I'm going to give 120 years for people to repent. I'm going to give 120 years for them to accept uh, and believe and, and get into that boat. But at the end of the 120 years, God says, all right, my mercy is done. My mercy is finished. You know, those of us that are saved, 
we, we have to be so very careful because we get this idea that, well, I'm saved and, and, and my, my home is secure in heaven. And, and so, so I can just live and do and, and whatever I want to do. And it just seems like there's no chastisement and it seems like I'm, I'm getting away with it. What are you doing? You're taking God's mercy for granted. I, I am so glad I, I, I believe very much in the chastening hand of God, but aren't you glad that God does not chasten you for everything that you do? Uh, we, we would never be out from under the chastening hand of God. We would never be out from under his, his chastisement and his discipline because every single day of our life we fail him. Every single day of our life we have bad thoughts and we have a bad heart and we have bad motives. And every day of our life we don't do things that we should and we do things that we shouldn't do that. And, and if it wasn't for his mercy every single day of our life, we would be under his chastening hand. Don't take his mercy for granted. Why don't, why don't you make sure that you're checking your life and, and, and saying, God, uh, I, I recognize that you are the Lord and I recognize that you are sovereign and I recognize that you are, are the one that makes the rules. And so therefore, even though I may not experience your chastisement every single day of my life, I recognize that you are God and I recognize that you are Lord. And so therefore, I'm going to conform my life to the truth of your word so that I don't push you in your mercy because one of these days the chickens are going to come home to roost. One of these days you're going to reap what you sow and the consequences of your actions and the consequences of your choices, they will be there eventually. I've heard stories and I've had friends that took God's mercy for granted and, and they just continued in a lifestyle of sin, a lifestyle of wickedness for years and years and years. And they thought, I'm going to get away with it. No one's going to know what I've done. And they took God's mercy for granted. But pretty soon God says, my mercy's done. Here comes the chastisement. Here comes the consequences. Here comes the results of you not being obedient. My friend, God's mercies are new every morning, but they're not limitless. I read that story in Exodus, and I'm sure what went through Moses' mind is you have just said no. You've just said no to what God told me to tell you. God is going to take your firstborn. And God says, no, turn the water to blood. I'm going to give him another chance. No, 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 send, send the lice. I'm going to give him another chance. I want him to know that I'm the Lord. I want, these, I want these miracles to prove that I'm the Lord, but I'm going to give him another chance. And I'm sure time after time after time that Moses went in there, he was thinking to himself, when is God going to take his firstborn? That's what God said. That's what God told me all the way back in Midian before I even came to Egypt. When is God going to take his firstborn? He won't let him. He won't let his firstborn go. And I'm sure after the boils and the hail, the locusts, God says, I'm going to give him one more chance. I'm going to send some darkness. 
And in that darkness, when they're not able to do anything, I want Mo, I want Pharaoh to think, who sensed this darkness? Who is in control of this? What is this? And I believe even after the darkness was sent, if, if, if Pharaoh would have repented, if Pharaoh would have said, yes, your God is God, and, and I am going to let the children of Israel go, I believe that his firstborn would have survived. I believe his firstborn would have been fine. I believe his firstborn would have been okay. But he pushed him one step too far. And God said, that's it. God said, that's it. God's mercies are new every morning, but they're not limitless. If you're listening to my voice today and you're not saved, don't push the mercy of God. Come to Christ today. The only reason you're alive today, the only reason you have not died, the only reason you're listening to my voice today is because God's mercies are new every day. Christian, you're listening to my voice today. You know you're living a wrong type of lifestyle. You know you're living in sin. You know that that you're living a, a, a duplicious uh, manner of life. You're, you're one way one uh, with one people and you're another way with another people. And, and you think you're getting away with it. You think that, that, that because God's not bringing chastisement, I, I must be okay. I must be fine. You're pushing against the, you're the, pushing against the mercy of God. His mercies are new every morning. But my friend, they're not limitless. And pretty soon, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. And we'll close with these. 1 Peter chapter 3. I want to say two different verses here. 1 Peter chapter 3. And I want you to notice in verse number 20. The Bible says, which sometimes were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by fire. The like figure wherein to even baptism doth and also now save us, not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look over in Second Peter chapter 3. We're talking about the long-suffering of God. Second Peter and chapter 3, and notice in verse number 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Oh, we serve a merciful God. His mercies are new every morning, but don't push his mercy. Pharaoh pushed it. One time too many. He pushed it one time too many. I said before, after that ninth plague, if, if he would have repented, if he would have, if he would have turned and said, you can go, his firstborn would have survived. But he pushed God's mercy one time too many. And God says, all right, you won't let him go. You won't let my firstborn go. I'm going to take your firstborn. My friend, we have the opportunity to serve God. We have the opportunity, as I always say, to always abound in the work of the Lord. But we are accountable to a loving God. We are accountable to a God that makes the rules. We're accountable to a God that says, this is how you live, and this is how I want you to uh, operate, and this is what I want you to do, and this is what I want you to say, this is how I want you to dress, this is how I want you to, to act. And, and, and God lays all that down very clearly in his word. 
Now, are you going to accept the truth and abide by the way God's standards are and enjoy his mercy? Or are you just going to keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it? And finally, God says, that's it. That's enough. Thy mercies are new every morning. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Thy mercies are new every morning, but don't forget, they are not limitless. They are not limitless. There will come a point where God says, that's enough. Don't push it. Amen? Don't push it. You know what's right. I know what's right. We have the Word of God in front of us. Don't think, oh, I'm getting away with it. Oh, no one's ever going to know. God's, God will, His mercy will run out, and He'll say, that's it. And we will, if you're saved, you'll either die and go to hell and spend eternity suffering in hell because you refuse to come to Jesus Christ. You refuse to take an opportun- take opportunity to take advantage of His mercy. You that are saved, oh, God's not chasing me. Maybe because he's being merciful. Maybe because he's giving you a chance to repent. Maybe because he's giving you a chance to get things right. Why don't you do that now before the chastisement comes? I would rather admit it wrong now. I would rather get it right now than to let God have to take care of it. Amen. Well, that was my heart today, and that was just something that I learned this last week, and and I hope and pray that it's a help, a blessing, and encouragement to you as you always abound in the work of the Lord. Well, once again, thank you so much for tuning in. I know there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there and uh, that uh, you could listen to, and uh, the fact that you're listening to mine means that you chose to do that, and uh, thank you so much for doing that. Wherever you might be, in your car, your work, your house, wherever you might be, thank you so much for tuning in to the Always Abounding podcast. Don't forget, if you can help out uh, with uh, the remaining uh, $500 for Pastor Sabanja's motorcycle or maybe part of it, uh, boy, that would sure be a blessing. And uh, you can send it uh, through our website, uh, either on uh, uh, our donation button on our website, or uh, I do have a Zelle account uh, where you can send money without any fees, and uh, that will come through as well. And uh, we'll take that money right away and go out and get that motorcycle for him. If not, if you can't give, that's fine. Uh, Maybe you can pray and say, God, uh, please supply uh, the money that's needed for this to happen. And uh, that would be such a blessing. And uh, thank you so much for that. Again, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is is not in vain in the Lord. What a great promise that is. Amen. Don't forget, if you have not done so already, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you use to listen to the podcast. And every Friday, uh, we upload a new podcast for your encouragement, for you and your family. And I hope and pray that it is just that. God bless you so much. Have a wonderful day. And we'll see you next Friday. We want to thank you for listening today. We trust that this podcast was an encouragement to you to always abound in the work of the Lord. For more information about your host or simply contact us, visit kstensisfamily.com.
www.thepeopleshow.com.